Welcome in to Locked On Knicks, and you know what time of week it is. We just had our green room chat with all of you on Thursday night, and this is our episode going over all the great topics that we went over with you all, or at least the first half of them. This is part one of two. We got a two-part episode out of it this week. Gavin, what are we talking about in this first part? Well, we start off with some general thoughts on Colin Sexton. Be wary. It's a theme throughout the episode. Then we talk about if we would boot, root for Frank and, and France over Team USA. I, I quickly get into a little diatribe on why I think Mitchell Robinson should make the team. A take that has aged well now that JaVel McGee is on the team. Um, and then we finish up with more Sexton talk, um, asking ourselves if there's a specific reason that Cleveland is looking to offload Sexton despite his production, and whether or not Obi Toppin, Kevin Knox, and a first would be too much or too little, like a, a deal that Nick should automatically take for Colin Sexton. So all that and more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join us every week on Thursdays at 5.30 p.m. to get in on the action. Time may be a little TBD this coming week because uh, I'm going to be on vacation. So uh, I'll be getting back right around green room time. So we'll, we'll see how that's all going to go. May have to push it this week, but we're typically on every week Thursdays at around 530. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, where you can find all kinds of great Nick's articles at thestrick.land is the URL. He's Gavin Shaw, play-by-play man, by-day Nick's podcaster, Sometimes by day, sometimes by night. And we are getting into a bunch of great topics that we already detailed in the intro, so I'm not going to hold this up anymore. We're getting right into it now with our green room discussion. Hey, what's up, guys? What's up, Gavin? How you doing? Not too much. I'm chilling. First day uh, back in New York, uh, enjoying the horrible weather. Uh, How about you, man? I'm also enjoying the horrible weather. I think I'm finally going to cave and get my car air conditioning fixed. (laughs) <laughs> oh there you go you can go to rock auto yeah, no i don't unless they can send me a mechanic to fix it i don't think i'm going to be doing that one myself <laughs> but maybe i'll tell my mechanic to use rock auto <laughs> there you go so yeah i'm uh you know just cooking cooking got a little sweat going already just for driving around for a couple minutes before i go sweat my brains out playing basketball in like two hours so should be great so it looks like we already got a decent amount of people in here, which is great. Uh, welcome everyone into the green room for this week. I'm Alex Wolf, which you probably know, uh, editor in chief of Nick's Site to Strickland. He's Gavin Shaw, your favorite high school play-by-play man out there, and uh, we're talking about the Knicks for green room this week, which will be our fan Friday, Saturday, and Sunday probably episodes this week. Uh, so. Gavin, I don't know. I mean, we, we put out the episode the other day with uh, Evan Damrell of Locked on Cavs, and it was really good about Colin Sexton, and we sort of got the skinny on him from from Evan. I don't know that we really got too much into our own opinions of the proposed acquisition of Sexton, though, so I guess we could probably lead off with that since that's sort of the big Knicks item of the week. How are you feeling about these Sexton rumors and, and where things have gone so far? Yeah, I'm 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 kind of in a place of of sort of it feels weird because it's similar to the Dame thing where it's like I can talk myself into it or out of it on a on an almost minute by minute basis, and I, I see people like throwing together hypothetical lineups and saying like, look, this is this is sort of the piece the Knicks need, right? You you get Sexton, you have that score first point guard, you have RJ as your multifaceted wing. You have Randall as as your spacer and your alpha dog and someone who can be multiple on defense. You have Mitchell Robinson to protect the rim. You, you plug in a 3 and D wing to that. On paper, it looks it looks pretty good. And then I'm like, 
all right, but what's what, what's the ceiling of that team? Is it, is it second round and out? Uh, do the Knicks turn on Colin Sexton like the Cavs seemingly have with his uh, tendency to to allegedly be be a bit of a ball hog? I I don't know. I've I've listened to like interviews with Colin Sexton. He seems like a really really likable guy and someone who you can't really question his work ethic. So I don't. It, it feels weird to say like right off the bat that you don't want to bet on that dude. But I, I do think his statistics are, to a large extent, e- even though he's maintained pretty good efficiency throughout his career, a product of his situation in Cleveland and how much of an opportunity he gets and how much of time he gets on the ball. And I don't know. I, I still I genuinely don't know if it translates into high-level basketball because we've seen so many examples of, of young guards on bad teams putting up ridiculous numbers. And then sometimes they translate and sometimes they don't. And there's really no definitive way to tell. Overall, I think if the package was cheap enough, it would like like Obi Toppin and something like the thirty second pick. I'm 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 for it. I think it, I think you you take that kind of chance, you take that kind of risk. If you're talking about Obi and, and both first round picks, or even Obi and one of the first round picks, I'm a little bit more hesitant. But Alex, where are you at? I think if it's Obi and one of the first round picks, and I mean Knox, <laughs> Knox is apparently involved in that as well, and. Sorry, Kevin, you're just not a big draw or a big deterrent for me. So if Knox is involved, fine, whatever, they can take him. Um, as people will see in the, the Locked On Ultimate Mock Draft coming up, we have very little regard for Kevin Knox in general and dealt him for the right to move up like two picks in the first round. Um, or three picks, actually, sorry. A, a big, big leap, big leap in the first round. Um but you know, if it's if it's Obi and and that first round pick, you kind of just got to like like let's say it's twenty one, which is what I would hope the Knicks would try to convince the Cavs to take. You know, if you if you look at it, uh, basically what I ask myself is will will Obi or whoever you take with that pick likely turn into an efficient twenty four point per game scorer, who's quite frankly played on bad teams so far. And has had coaching turmoil and everything else, you know, working against him. And I don't think that it's likely that either of them, you know, would turn out as good as Sexton is right now. And with Obi, it's even worse because he's blocked for playing time by Julius Randle, who's the Knicks All-NBA player. So, you know, I think, uh, I just think it's a worthy gamble. Of course, there's the, the risk of having to pay him next year uh, in free agency, but... You know, by getting him and getting his restricted free agent rights, you put yourself in a situation where you get to tell him to set his price. So if if he thinks he's worth the max contract, you get to say, hey, you know, go find it then because we're not going to give you more than like $20 million. And if you could sign him for like four years, $80 million or something like that, I think that's a very reasonable contract for a guy of his skill set with his age. And, you know, he is only 22 years old. He's literally a year younger than Obi Toppin right now. Um, so it's it, it's tricky, but I, I lean towards being in favor of it overall um, versus not. So I, I think that I would I would probably go for um, the trade if as it's constructed, you know, with Obi, one of the two picks, preferably 21, and Kevin Knox going out. I think that's kind of a steal for the Knicks, so I, I would totally be down for that. Uh, but we do have our first speaker request here. We have a, a frequent contributor here that's come on before, Larry the Athlete. What's up, Larry? How are you doing? All right, guys. We're going to take our first break. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC slash MMA action before the next pitch. Head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And this episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. Celebrate your freedom of choice. This was, of course, the month of July 4th, you know, all about freedom and all that stuff. So celebrate your freedom to choose whatever you want with the amazing flavors available to you from Built Bar. There's 
all kinds of ones. There's coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. You know my favorites, coconut and cookies and cream. You know, coconut reminds me of like a Mounds or Almond Joy bar. Cookies and cream, I mean, it, it tastes exactly like what they say. It's kind of like Oreo cookie taste, you know, that cookies and cream flavor. Tastes fantastic. Tastes just like a candy bar. And if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can always get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Every built Bar, too, despite tasting like a candy bar, has 17 to 18 grams of protein and only has 130 to 180 calories and 4 to 5 grams of sugar and net carbs. So they're all tasty. They're all healthy, all amazing flavors. Built Bar is also the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. So... You know, you eat a built Bar, I'm not going to guarantee that you'll turn into a U.S. track or field athlete, but you'll probably at least perform like one, you know, and have the endurance and that protein to keep you going through your workout. So if you want to get some for yourself, go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Hello. Hey, Larry, what's up? Hey, uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Um i curious, of course, of course, I'm calling in about Frank Nellikina. Um, so <laughs> I'm curious if when in the Olympics, if it's um, France versus USA, who are you rooting for? Uh, USA, I think. Is, is the premise that it would take like an incredible Frank performance for them to beat the US? Um, sh- um, sure. But I'm, I am rooting for France 100%. Um, I think I would root for Al-Qaeda if Frank was playing for them. Uh, but any, like, he, so much of the anguish of being a Frank fan is seeing, like, the stop and start of all his chances. And if if there is a chance to play his way back to being a Nick, I, I, I doubt it. But if there is, this is the last chance. And they play each other in the first game of the uh, the group stage which is a big game for both teams because they're the top two in that group. So, I mean, France needs a big performance from Frank, and it would be a big statement game on his part. Yeah, I I, I don't think I would. I mean, I don't know. I go back and forth because I don't really love this iteration of Team USA. Like, I have some of the mm-hmm. previous ones. As, as far as, you know, being a countryman of the U.S., obviously I should root for the U.S. in most scenarios, but there is something kind of funny to me about, you know, Kevin Durant's Team USA losing two exhibition games, um, which is, like, quite frankly, an embarrassment for a team with as high of a talent level and as high of a rep as Team USA. Um, So, you know, I do kind of get some enjoyment out of this version of Team USA losing because... Just like the last one, like, I, I found it really hilarious when the last team lost because it was, like, the Team USA Celtics. Like, that one was the team that had Kemba Walker, uh, right. Kalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and all that. And it was just, like, you know, they, they went and finished seventh in the, the FIBAs two years ago, which was hilarious. This year's team, it's, like, Kevin Durant. Um uh, Tatum is on the team again as well, isn't he? Uh, I'm actually trying to refresh my memory now um, of who all is on it. But on top of everything else, like it's it's not just that it's Kevin Durant and all those guys. It's that they left uh, Julius Randle off the roster too in favor of Kevin Love, which was kind of a slap in the face to Julius, who worked really hard this year and probably would have been a great, uh, you know, addition to the team and instead, you know, went with this old decrepit dude, um, in Kevin Love instead of, uh, you know, instead of Julius Randle, who just, you know, had a fantastic season. I'm looking at the rest of the roster here. So Adebayo, Heat player, blech, Bradley mm-hmm. Beal, he's fine, whatever. Draymond Green, Julius is better, should have been on the team instead of him. You know, Jeremy Grant, Julius is better, should have been on the team instead of him. Uh, Damian Lillard, probably the only guy that I really want to root for on this team. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Tatum, Celtic, don't want to root for him. So, I mean, there's just it's not a super likable team to me as far as Team USA teams go. So I would probably find myself rooting 
at least in some part for France, uh, if if Frank was going to have a really good game, if they were playing the U.S. and I would probably root. I, I don't know. I mean, I would just root for the hilarity of Team USA not winning gold in this Olympics as well, because I just don't. I, I mean, I know the world is getting better and better as far as uh, you know ability and to win in the Olympics and everything else, but you know, I just I think that. USA should be steamrolling through this. So if they do, I'll put on the proud countryman hat and say, yay, Team USA. But if they lose, I won't be afraid to laugh a little bit. I think it's my final answer. <laughs> yeah. It's also different in basketball than other sports where the U.S. is such a favorite. It's like not even that fun to root for them necessarily. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it has been that way in the past. I mean, yeah, like, uh, although in some ways it was fun, you know, like, like the redeem team in 08, they went on that like barnstorming tour of just demolishing teams prior to the Olympics, then all throughout. Similar to how the dream team had done it, you know, in their first in in the '92 team, and so it's kind of fun sometimes. But then, you know, now we've had three straight Olympics, right? Three straight, yeah, three straight Olympics of just utter domination from 08 through 2016, and. It would be it would be kind of fun to see a team like not totally dominate in terms of the U.S. on the Olympic stage again, and maybe get beaten by a team like I don't know if it's going to be Argentina this time around, but Australia certainly seems like a real contender this year. Um, mm-hmm. Nigeria, who they lost to, I mean, seems really good. Um, you know, they they don't seem like a like a fluky team, so. I'll be intrigued, to, and of course France, who we, we already mentioned, I think is a really serious contender as well as some other squads out there. So, yeah, I'm really I'm intrigued to see how it's all going to go down. It should be a pretty cool Olympics, and I just hope that it's not too uh, too marred by by COVID and everything. Yeah, it seems to be sort of in peril right now. So I, I really hope that it's able to go off in a way that's safe for all the inhabitants of japan as well so um. guys can i quickly mention um obviously everyone was kind of up in arms to some extent about julius randall not making it i was kind of okay with it just because of the workload he took on during the year but this team could also really use mitchell robinson like like they desperately need a rim protector and we, we saw that in the opening two losses that that guy i mean you could argue bam to some extent can play that role but they're they're sort of a center short, and a lot of other people have mentioned this, but Kevin Love and um, Jeremy Grant are pretty useless for what this team needs. And if they weren't going to bring like a Trey Young or someone, which I, I also I also think they are la- kind of lacking a clear um, a true point guard, I should say. Um, but the lack of rim protection and having that center who can just block shots on one end and get rebounds and yam on people on the other, I, I think is pretty evident. Um, I can't. I can't remember the exact circumstances, but I do remember a year ago he had the thing where he had to leave early. So maybe that was sort of lingering over it, but it, it seemed like he would have been. Yeah, well, they, they usually have a player like that on Team USA. Like Tyson Chandler was that guy in 2012, I remember. And then 2016, they had DeAndre Jordan, DeMarcus Cousins, and someone else. I forget. that, But they, they usually do prioritize getting some like true centers in there to really like clog things up in the middle on defense and, and make sure the guys can't just waltz to the rim. And like, you're right. Who is the quote unquote rim protector on this team? Is it Draymond? Is it, I guess it's bam, but like, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I think that they're really going to be missing that sort of presence of the Tyson Chandler, Deandre Jordan type that can just kind of do dirty work and, you know, doesn't need the ball and, you know, doesn't even really need to be part of the offense, but can drastically influence things on the defensive end and carry the team that way. It seems like they kind of just went through and did like, like a, like a 2k fantasy draft almost, you know, of like, Oh, let's just get all these like guys that can, you know, shoot the ball and handle the ball and whatever. It'll just be super fun. We'll just score like a million points a game. And then these other teams actually have like, game plans and stuff and that doesn't really fly so yeah it's uh it's interesting to to see you know how it's uh, how it's all going to work out this time around and i don't think this is one of the best constructed 
Team USA's in recent memory. Um, and it might it might end up showing on the world stage here when teams are really giving them their best shot. Granted, you could also say maybe the U.S. is going to have a better, you know, gear to get to once they get out of exhibition stages, and maybe they're like really lollygagging around. But it seems by and large like they were they were trying in those exhibition games, and they just were they were not able to make things happen because of how the NBA game is versus the international game and how it's called. And on top of it, you know, just their defense is very lackluster because they didn't really put together an elite defensive team this year. But, Larry, do you have anything to add to that before we move to our next request? Because we got a few in line here uh, as we move off the, the Olympics talk here. Well, nothing to add to that. Cool. All right. Uh, do you want to promote, do the promotion for Larry Knows Sports and everything real quick before we send you down? Sure. Um the you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Larry the Athlete, and you can subscribe to Larry No Sports on any podcast platform, which both Gavin and I have appeared on from time to time, and it's mm-hmm. it's always a blast. You have really interesting guests, uh, like <laughs> like uh, uh, what was it? The, you had C three PO on the one time I think I did have C three PO on once. Yes. Um, I've I've had uh, the jazz Alan Parsons. Cat. I've had a yes. jazz cat named mm-hmm. Frankie Smokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so it's always a good time on Larry No Sports. So thanks so much for popping up, Larry, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk to you next week. All right, talk to you soon. Thanks, man. All right, so we're gonna bring up Jeff Phillips, the man with the Carmelo Anthony Funko Pop avatar. I'm very jealous. Of. What's up, Jeff? How you doing? Hey, guys. What's going on? How are you? How are you living? Not too bad. Thanks for asking, Jeff. Can't compl- yeah, can't complain too much, you know? Just chilling today. Like I said, I'm in the heat, getting ready to play basketball in a, in a couple hours. So life's, life's not bad. How are you doing? Nah, same. Uh, chilling like a villain, just uh, staying cool and... Uh, you know, always enjoying uh, Nick's talk. Um, kind of want to pivot back to Colin Sexton. And I'm not sure if you guys had a chance to check out uh, John Schmelk's uh, The Bang Shot podcast. Um, he had an um, Aaron, uh, I don't want to butcher his last name, but uh, Goldenberry or um, – a uh, Cleveland uh, Cavaliers basic, uh, like, insider cover, you can say. So during the discussion, it was clear that Sexton is, you know, he's a dog of a player. He really likes playing ball. He's the first one in, last one out kind of a guy. But I guess my – so I guess, like, I, I have red flags when I hear that, you know, saying how much he cares and how much he loves about the game. But then I understand the contract situation, but not the desperation of the Cavs wanting to get rid of them, but almost like it's almost like there's a reason, you know, uh, Garland is with Team USA and that Sexton is not, and that you hear whispers of, you know, guys just not like, not generally liking uh, or like playing with them. So did you guys, um, does that like catch you as well, or you know, is that um, something you picked up on? Or yeah, I kind of, I kind of asked myself those questions too when this whole thing first started coming out because, like, I think I mentioned this in our pod with Evan uh, the other day, where I was just kind of like, why is you know, it just seems weird that he's available, like. If, if you're looking at him just from the perspective of, like, you check out his basketball reference page and look at the numbers he's putting up, I mean, they're pretty eye-popping for a third-year player. It's not – even on a bad team, it's not easy to put up, you know, 24 points on, like, 57% true shooting, you know, shooting damn near 40% from three on volume, you know, with the, a pretty diverse diet of shots. And he finishes pretty well on the inside as well, draws a good amount of free throws. I mean – there's pretty much like everything to love about him on offense um, in terms of his ability to create and score. And, you know, when we were talking to Evan too, he was kind of saying like, you know, 
it's still TBD on some of these, you know, sort of little leaps he made this year, like with playmaking, he had a number of double digit assist games and his assist percentage went up by like 10 percentage points, which is not insignificant at all. That's actually like, it's huge. It basically almost doubled, um, you know, and his, his defensive impact, like a lot of the advanced stats hate him, but overall net rating stats don't really paint that bad of a picture. Like he was only, he made the team like it, it was negative 0.7 net rating for him, but on a bad team, that's really not that bad because you figure, you know, he's with the starting group, which means he's facing other team starters, which means, you know, the, the Cavs starters just weren't as good as other team starters. So they're going to get put in a hole quite a bit compared to the bench who could, you know, kind of compete with other teams benches a little better. So, you know, it, it is kind of weird to me that they seem so desperate to get rid of him. I think it's mostly financially motivated. Um, I think that, you know, it, it's just something to consider. Like, Gilbert is not a big money spender. I think in many ways he's probably still reeling from the LeBron years, you know, in terms of the amount of money that he spent there. And, you know, just doesn't want to give Sexton an extension that's anywhere close to a max, even if it's not a max, if, you know, the team isn't going to be good to great. And so it's kind of like one of those situations where I just think, I think Sexton is a good player, but in the wrong situation where now the Cavs are just kind of saying, well, like, well, we're just kind of in the process of restarting our like fifth rebuild. And, you know, we're, we have the third pick in the draft. We're probably going to take, you know, if things go how they're expected to go, it will probably be uh, Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, and then that would leave them with Jalen Suggs. Or, or, well, Suggs or Jalen Green in that case, whichever one they decide to go with. Um, so they take one of those two guys. Where does that leave Sexton? Because now you have this, you know, Suggs figures to probably be kind of a combo guard. Um, Green is like a true shooting guard. And you have Darius Garland in place already. So where does that leave you with Colin Sexton? It leaves you in a place where you have to either tell your number three overall pick to come off the bench to start the year or, you know, where you have to make Sexton pissed off and put him on the bench, even though he probably believes he's a starter and probably is is justified in that based off how, you know, he plays and his numbers he's put up and everything else. So I, I think it's just a matter of all that, all the different circumstances playing themselves out, but maybe there is something to it with off the court stuff. You know, Gavin had alluded to it uh, towards the beginning of the show about the, you know, the perception of Sexton that he's a ball hog and that, you know, there's reports that other teams will like other teams, players will raz, you know, his teammates on the Cavs, like on the floor saying like, Oh, you're never going to get the ball. Cause Sexton's got it. And that sort of thing. And he, he screams Alonzo Trier to me, unfortunately. Yeah, in some ways. Like, like, like a little bit. He, he really does. So the, the only thing to me is that I look at him and I look at that profile, right? You said he's, you know, everything points to him being a gym rat, first in, last out kind of guy. Like, right. that's very similar to the rest of the Knicks. And I I think, you know, with the Knicks, you, have, you also have this established leadership structure, right, where Julius Randle is the leader of the team now. I, I think that's pretty unequivocal. Like, seems like everybody respects the hell out of him that's on this team already. Derrick Rose, even if they get Colin Sexton, will probably come back to the Knicks. So he he was a leader in the locker room last year for sure. R.J. Barrett is kind of like the the leader of the young players on the team. Like, he seems to have everybody's respect among the younger players. You know, the the Franks and the Knoxes and the, the Obies and all those guys. And... So I think if you plop him into this sort of situation where there's established talent, a playoff atmosphere, and a definite alpha dog in Julius Randle that overrules him, you know, and would have the backing of the rest of the team, I, I think maybe this is a scenario where Sexton could be kind of humbled and not be so I, – I, I think rightly or wrongly, but in my opinion probably rightly, he's sort of – viewed his time with the Cavs is like, I need to do everything because my teammates are not that good and this team is not good. So I'm going to put it on myself to score the ball, to, you know, be the guy handling the ball all the time 
and all that. And maybe he's fundamentally broken as a player, or maybe he can be tamed by a good coaching staff and a good environment. And I think mostly it's just the, for the cost that it would take to acquire him, even if they would wind up losing him next summer or something, I would not be losing sleep over like, oh my God, they gave up Obi Toppin and pick 21 and Kevin Knox for this guy. And then they lost him the next year. Like, would it, would yeah, it feel like yeah. bad asset management? Yes. But it wouldn't be end of the world stuff. Like, like if you had, you know, uh, given up the farm for like Damian Lillard or something, and then he left, you know, at the end of his contract or something, you know, it wouldn't feel like that because it's just not that huge of an asset hall to send out. So, I, I just I generally think he's worth the shot, even with the potential red flags. Um, but Gavin, I'll throw it to you too, just to get your opinion. I went a little long. Yeah, I think I think people too often with, with players. I mean, especially with non superstar players, they fail to take into account context with all this stuff. Like I think Reggie Jackson is a really good recent example of someone who on the Pistons, I mean, was probably like like who knows what specific players were saying was probably getting dinged. And, and maybe rightfully in a lot of the same way Sexton is for being a ball hog or, or not really contributing to winning. And then all of a sudden you put him on a better team. And granted, the, the Clippers' level of talent is, is in a much different space than, than the Knicks will be next year. But you, you put the guy like that in a different context, and all of a sudden you, you tell this guy who was supposed to be like a three-level multifaceted scorer, um, oh, you just have to do one thing now. All, all you have to do is, is, is hit open threes or attack closeouts. And it turned... Reggie Jackson into someone who shot better than 40% from threes and was the best ISO player in the NBA. Again, not necessarily what you can expect from Colin Sexton, but all of a sudden with better teammates, a better infrastructure, a better culture, and an expectation of winning and and teammates that are going to hold you accountable on those fronts, I I think things can change pretty drastically. And and, and again, like with all these guys, generally, um, I, I like you can't say this is universally true, but like, a lot of guys that make it to the NBA and have some success in the NBA, it's because they work their asses off their whole lives. It's because they give a shit. And I mean, listening to Sexton talk, like I don't think competitiveness or, or caring about winning, like or were ever or are ever going to be issues for him. I, I think a lot of it is context dependent and it's not even something that's inherent to Cleveland. It's just that any rebuilding situation is really fraught. And you look at what's gone on with the Cavaliers specifically the last couple of years I mean with Kevin Porter Jr that that thing was a mess Kevin Love that was a a, a total mess maybe the lesson is they should just stop acquiring guys named Kevin um but it it feels like just about the worst situation in the NBA to develop in so given all that I, I think it's it's worth it to take the bet that in a different environment he can thrive and the the expectation has to be at least initially until he proves himself worthy of it. You're going to trade for him and it's not to be in the role he played in in Cleveland. It's to maybe be the third option. And if he can excel in that, then you can talk about expanding that going forward as he continues to get older because he's still a relatively young player. So I, I think to me, that's that's sort of the core of my case um, for, for going out and getting him. But I don't know, Jeff, where, where are you at with all this? Are you... Are you leaning more towards if the price isn't exceptionally high, I would want to go get him or not nah, just don't mess with it. And, um, and maybe, I mean, for some people might, I'm, I'm sure there are people out there saying, Hey, I want to, I want more of Obi Toppin. He was looking pretty good. at. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll go for sex. Then if the price is right, um, <laughs> I am reluctant to give up Obi only because it seems like, that would double up what the Cavs already have with Larry Nance Jr. Um, I think, but I I think would... Nance is probably gone too. If they get rid of Sexton, I yeah, think okay, be yeah, that would be my. So it'd be like a, a, a salary, uh, a salary dump, but just like a combination I, I don't think reset. To, to be clear, like I think I think there's some team oh, okay. pay to take on Larry Nance. Like I think there was. So I was talking to Schwinn about this the other day. Um just like in a, in a group chat. And he had said that there, he reminded me there was a report. I think at this trade deadline that some contender was willing to trade like two late first round picks for Larry Nance. So, I mean, if, if the Cavs see that opportunity present itself a lot, you know, they get Obi back for Sexton and then have some team that's willing to give them like, even like a late first and like a flyer, for Larry Nance, they'd probably do that. I, I think he'd probably be gone. 
two first for Larry Nance Jr. Who would have thought that, right? That's um, what I said. I said, you're full. Of, I, I thought <laughs> straight up. I was like, dude, give me a source. You're full of shit. And then he pulled a quote. And I was like, oh, man, like, no way. <laughs> that is absolutely wild. Yeah, I, no, that's absolutely wild. That's like uh, he, he he's grandfather because of his dad. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. No, I – yeah, that's tough to – think about um but no gavin to your point i would i'd be on board with bringing uh sexton on board you know it's just you know is it a one-year rental and if it's not and we are extending them what what are the years and dollars looking like like i uh if we're talking like fred van vliet for for 85 that would be great like i'd be okay with that um but if we're talking like four for a hundred, then not so much. Like the biggest thing for me is, is there enough ball if he's in the lineup with RJ and Julius and we're paying him four years at a hundred, 125. And, you know, I, I think that's, and you know, he's six one, he's undersized, he's not the greatest defender. I know Tibbs does wonders with almost, you know, he could take me or you and turn us into a defender on the team or, you know, joking. But, you know, like, he can work with what he has. But, you know, I think you guys alluded to it. Is he the third guy? Is he, like, the fourth guy? Is he a sixth man? Like, I hear comparisons of, like, Jordan Clarkson, Jamal Crawford. Like, is that – I'm not willing I, – I, if that's the case, I'm not willing to throw that amount of uh, money – you know, to that contract, but if it's a one-year contract or, like, one-year deal and see where it goes, one-year trial and see where it goes, then, yeah, absolutely. Like, let's 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 roll out. We did that last year. Yeah, I think the other thing, too, to consider is just, like, if you sign him to a somewhat big contract, um, and it, it's, as long as it's not, a, like, a full max, like, I think that's probably where I draw the line is, like a like a four year full max contract or something. That's that's kind of crazy. But if you could sign him to like a reasonable contract that's maybe a little high, I think that he still remains a really good piece to potentially move for a bigger fish later down the line. Like maybe even as soon as next year, let's say you're interested in like Bradley Beal, you might be able to work out a sign and trade with Sexton to trade him to the Wizards as sort of like the centerpiece of getting Bradley Beal on the Knicks. Um, so th- there are, or I guess Beal is a free agent next year, right? So I, I don't know if you could pull off a, a I, I think, yeah, I think you can because that's what. Or he has a player, or he has a player option. So, and yeah, well, I so I think. Is that it? I think you do it where both players sign a new contract because that's what the Warriors and the Nets did with. Durant and Russell was they were that was a sign and trade for sign and trade deal. So Durant got signed and traded by the Warriors for Russell, who got signed and traded by the Nets. So, yeah, maybe that's a situation you can work out where, you know, Beal says, hey, I want to come to New York. And then Sexton, who you have the restrictive free agent rights on, says, you know, you say to him, well, all right, man, like so you could get the contract you want from Washington. They're willing to give it to you. And, you know. We will do it in a sign and trade, but we're not we're not going to just give you that deal. And if you sign somewhere else and screw this deal up for us, we're just going to ma- match you and you know keep you here. And you know I, I don't know if you're going to be happy with that. So you know that's there's definitely there's options there. You know he could even as soon as next year be part of, let's say Dame doesn't get traded this year, and is still sort of rumored to be available next summer. Then you know you could potentially use a sign and trade of Sexton as a Dame. You know package to get him back so there's all kinds of different options out there potentially for what you could do with sexton so it it doesn't all require paying him although there is a world too where maybe he just shows out and he seems like a piece of like a legitimate piece of the future and not just a trade asset and you do just re-up him and get him for like a somewhat realistic contract because realistically if he showed improvements in defense and playmaking under tibbs then i think he's a pretty damn good nba player at that point because He's already got the offense pretty well figured out. So, you know, he's he's kind of a couple steps away from being like a legitimate star type player. 
um, it's just a big if, you know, based off what we know about his mentality and stuff, if those come around or not. So, yeah. Um, but Jeff, do you have anything to add to this before we uh, move to the next speaker? Because we got a couple more requests in the pipe here. No, that's it. Uh, thanks, guys, as always. And, uh, yeah, uh, shout out Nick fans everywhere. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate cool. it, Jack. Thanks for popping up. All right. So we're going to move to our next speaker request here. We have Jason Meredith. I'm going to pull him up. Oh, if the app is working. Hold on. There we go. Okay. Jason, how you doing? See if we got Jason. Sometimes there's a little lag when we first get Jason up for some reason. Not catching him yet. We'll give it just a second here before we say. Yeah, we've had it happen a few times. So we're about to put him down, and then it's like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. All right. I'll give it like five, four, three. Up. Oh, he took him. There must be something with uh-huh. the app or something. Oh yeah, uh, no, he had we'll... the same thing last time. We quit out and then rejoined. Yeah. So I'm gonna get. Okay, Jason just put his, his request back in, so we'll get him back up. Let's see if it works. There we go. Now I hear you. Hey, Jason. I'm, like, killing myself. I'm like, come on, phone. It's not showing up. I'm like, no, come on. I want to talk. <laughs> the app the app does that a lot for some reason. Like, I always restart it before we start a new room because, like, we open it, and it was previously open. It just always seems to screw up or something. But anyway, Jason, what's up, man? What's on your mind this week? Okay. I love the Colin Sexton trade. If that is where, if that trade were to, were to actually happen, I don't understand how any Knicks fan would not like that trade. The only way you could tell me you don't like that trade is if you want the Knicks to draft Sharif Cooper and you're like, I want Sharif Cooper to be the starting point guard and I don't want someone else taking his minutes. Okay, that yeah. is the slam dunk of slam dunk. I don't think people realize how much better Colin Sexton is than he was as a rookie. I think people are relying on his rookie year and their draft takes, and they're thinking he's that same player. If Colin Sexton put up the stats he put up last year on the Knicks, we'd be saying he's, he should be an all-star. That's what we would be yeah. arguing. If he put up those stats on the Knicks last year, we would be saying he should have been an all-star. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely – there's definitely a good chance of that because, I mean – that was really high, uh, you know, in terms of his uh, points per game, and you know the the. I, obviously, it's it's hard to look at the impact stats and stuff like that. Um, Jason, can you do me a favor just, when you're not talking? Just hit mute because we're getting a lot of. There we go. Um, there's just a lot of background noise there, but yeah, it, you know, it's. Uh, I, I would say, I think it's a slam dunk too in many ways. You know, I just don't. I don't think it's a huge. I can understand being excited by the flashes we saw from Obi at the end of the year, but. Ultimately, the flashes are just that. They're flashes. I mean, he spent, for a guy that was that was 23 years old and was supposed to be NBA ready, he spent 75% of the season being basically unplayable, um, you know, which is not great for a guy that was supposed to be, you know, allegedly the most NBA ready prospect in the entire draft. So, you know, it's it, I think that people are maybe pushing the expectations a little too far for Obi. And maybe that's where some of the reservation comes from with that rumored package. But if that's all it is, like, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think that you have to make that deal. I just there's no way that that's there's anything that's going to be a deal breaker as far as that's concerned for me. Um, with Obi, one of the two first round picks, and Kevin Knox, it's I don't want to say it's you know that it's nobody. That's kind of a disservice to Obi, who was showing some flashes, but particularly for a guy who is having a hard time finding playing time on this team. I just don't think it's that huge of a, of an ask there. And you're right. Like, you know, if Sexton did put out those numbers on the Knicks last year, we would have definitely been saying, Oh, we should probably be the Knicks second all-star along with Julius Randle. And, you know, it was mostly just cause he's on the Cavs and the Cavs were bad that he didn't get really any consideration at all. Uh, but Gavin, how do you, what do you think about all that? Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know. I think, I I tend to agree I that it shouldn't be I, I think the only reason people are are hesitating like it, it's it, I think it's less so about the package and more so people thinking like would we if Colin Sexton was just a free agent would the Knicks be interested in paying him what he's probably going to ask for after next season that, that's sort of my take on it even though um, like obviously like some of us like I I've, I was a long time OB pessimist and I've become a bit more of an OB optimist, but I think everyone could acknowledge that as, as currently situated, unless 
Um, the coaching staff decides to get a hell of a lot more creative with how they use him, uh, Reed, at center. Um, then he doesn't have a future on this team because Julius Randle is going to be playing 38 to 39 minutes a game for the next three or four seasons until he breaks down or is traded or is injured or, or something else. Like there's not really room for Obi to have a future. The first round pick, it's nice. The average return value on like the 19th or 21st pick in the draft is probably like a back end of the roster guy, maybe, maybe a bench player. Um, you're, you're not like maybe maybe the Knicks at home run is one of those two picks. The good news is you you probably won't have to give up both of them. You'll probably just have to give up one. So I, I don't I don't really think it's about the package at the end of the day. I just think it's like do the Knicks period want Colin Sexton? And I think there's uh, there are reasons to have a debate about that because you don't want to inject someone in who could potentially bring chemistry issues to the table. But I'll, I'll sort of circle back to my last point that I, I think it would be he would be a different guy on the Knicks. And that's why I'd ultimately be in favor of the trade. Um, but I, I think there's enough there that I, I don't think it's like I, I don't necessarily think it's, it's a home run. But I think it's a risk we're taking. But, Jason, I know you, you seem to think it's, it's a home run, basically. Here's, the kick. Here's why this trade is, the be- is a, an amazing trade. You don't have to pay him this year. You can wait till next year because he's a restricted free agent next year. So you can you can say, hey, we'll sign you at this this number. He says no because it's nowhere near what he wants. Okay, you play for a year, and you know what? If you're as good as advertised, if you if you play at an all star level, okay, fine, we'll give you the money. But you don't have to actually give him the money now. And you know what else that means? Yes, he has his cap hold. I think is 19 million. The Knicks could still have near max money in 2022 with that cap hold. It's perfect. Like we solve our point guard, we can potentially solve our point guard situation while still having the ability to be a huge player in free agency in 2022. And if he's great, we could still, we could pay him then if he's great. If he's not great, what did we lose? I mean, like, I, I don't like, we have another pick. Like, I understand there's a, a first round pick, but we have another pick this year. If we didn't have a pick this year, okay, maybe I'd be hesitant, but we have a first round pick already. So yeah, I just think yeah. it's a home run. I mean, like, I think there's not much downfall to it. I mean, I was always a big fan of Jalen Brunson, like the Knicks training for Jalen Brunson. This is better. Yeah. Yeah, the thing is, you get uh, – you mentioned the Knicks have another first-round pick. They also have pick 32, which is essentially like another late first-round pick. So really it's like if you trade one of those three picks and it's netting you Colin Sexton, then you still get to make two selections for – probable role players in this draft and maybe even you know maybe pick 58 and pick 32 are enough to even move you back into the first to like pick 27 or something if if some team feels so inclined uh and wants the the flexibility of the second round draft slot over the guaranteed salary of the first round draft slot kind of thing so yeah there's a definitely a world of possibilities there um as, as far as what the Knicks could still do in the draft, even if they pull this trade off. Um, and I'm with you. Like, I, I think the same thing generally about his upside, you know, it's like, if he's great, then, you know, if he wants a big contract, then he's probably worth it. And, you know, you can, you could do a lot of damage next year between his and Julius Randall's cap holds before you sign them. Like Sexton's cap hold is is under 20 million. It's like, I think like 18 or 19 million before you would sign him, even if his maximum contract is like almost 10 million more than that. And Julius Randle, same deal. I think his cap hold is mid 20 millions. Even if you ultimately end up signing him to a deal that will pay him, you know, over $30 million annually. So, you know, with those two, you can have some, some more cap space hanging around to use on other free agents first and beef up the team. Or, as I mentioned a minute ago, you can use Sexton in a sign-and-trade and, you know, get a different player that way. So there's there's really a lot of options with this whole thing. And I think I think it's just a little too black and white when people look at it and they just say, well, if you trade for him, then you either have to pay him a maximum contract or let him walk. And it's like, no. There's really – there's so many more things that could potentially go on as far as that's concerned where you don't – you know, you don't have to pay him that contract at all. You can say, find some team that will pay you that much because we're not going to do it. And, you know, you're not, you also aren't just married to only signing him. You can use him in sign and trade scenarios to get yourself more assets. If some other team is way more sold on him, you can do one of a million different things. 
you know, with uh, what getting Colin Sexton offers you. So I, I just think, you know, I, I think that there's, it, this is less basic addition and subtraction and more calculus as far as the type of moves that you can do once you make this trade and get Colin Sexton on this team for a year and then let him hit his restricted free agency next year. Um, so, I, you know, it's it, it'll be interesting to see if the deal actually does go down, what the ultimate fate of Sexton is uh, as far as all of this. But, um, Jason, we have a, a pretty good amount of speaker requests waiting to come up. So do you, do you have any parting thoughts on, on this before we uh, move to the next person? Um, no, the only other thing I'll say is, like I said, the options are still there. Like you could even – I mean, I mentioned Sharif Cooper, but you could even still draft Sharif Cooper. And mm-hmm. I don't know how to work, but you could still do it. Like it does, getting Sexton doesn't stop you from doing any of the things that people wanted the Knicks to do, yeah. whether it's this season or next all season. Like because the fact that he's still on a rookie contract, whatever you wanted the Knicks to do in the draft, they probably still could do it. Yeah, and whatever you want them to do in free agency. I mean, they actually, if they made that, oh, we, did we lose Jason? I don't know if he saw himself down or, or if we just lost him. But uh, I was gonna say also, you, you know. The Knicks will get another six and a half million dollars in cap space if they would make that rumored deal, which could then be used to still sign someone like a Kyle Lowry. Like I actually, I would be fully on board with a a sort of point guard and combo guard rotation of like Kyle Lowry, Colin Sexton, Derrick Rose, and Emmanuel Quickly next year, along with. You know, maybe you re-sign Burks or Bullock to play sort of that flex 2-3 spot. You already have R.J. Barrett to play that same spot as well. I mean, that gives you a world of possibilities and a lot of firewall against injuries and stuff too, which I think is always important. The Knicks really lucked out with not dealing with too many injuries this year, but, you know, that that's always right around the corner in the NBA as we saw this year. So, you know, I don't think there's anything, any such thing as too much depth uh, in the NBA right now. All right, guys, that's it for part one, but we will be back in your feeds on Monday for part two, talking if Tibbs can get Colin Sexton up to speed defensively. Um, Another question about Coach Tibbs, does he need to add some wrinkles to the defense like a zone? Um, It it was presented as basically different options to have in the playoffs depending on the opponent. Um, Then we got one about potentially trading Obi and Knox for Sexton, how that would affect the locker room and team chemistry especially because OB feels like such an integral part of that and how he would do behind Julius Randle. And finally, we finish up talking about Carl Anthony Towns as a future trade target. So all that and more Monday in part two of the screen room. Until then, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll talk to you soon.